Well, happy Mother's Day to you. Like Dieter said, even if you're not a mom today, you had one. Good, bad, ugly, we had one. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my mama. If, she, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here. And you wouldn't be blessed today. <laughs> this month we're doing a series called I Am. And last week, um, Tony did um, I Am Forgiven. And that was an amazing message. If you did not hear it, I encourage you to get online and, and go back and listen. It was good. Lots of good stuff. Um, I'm going to talk to you today about I am chosen. I am chosen. I don't know about you. You may not feel like you're chosen sitting here this morning, but I hope by the time we're done, you will feel chosen. You'll know by God's word that you're chosen. But this is the funny thing about how we live our lives. I don't know if you remember this, but Growing up in school, we had the, the schoolyard-style cho- choosing of teams where you had everyone lines up in a row, and you have two choosers. I don't know how they got chosen. I don't know if they were teacher or pet. I don't know if it was self-chosen, but even that position was a chosen position. And then they begin to go back and forth. I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. Back and forth. Some are chosen by popularity. Some are chosen by their friendships. Some are chosen by their skill. Some are chosen out of sympathy. You know, you just feel sorry for them. Get them on your team. Let's go. Some are chosen by just process of elimination when there's only two left. And I feel so sorry for that last person. It's just you're the only one left, so you're on whatever team was left. In just a moment of time, your value and your worth is being determined based on the chooser's hopes and dreams, based on them wanting to win. Just a moment of time, your worth and your value is being looked at. Whether it's kickball, it's who can kick the farthest and run the fastest. If it's a school project, it's who does A work, who's the smartest, who can I get to do the work so I don't have to do the work. If it's a work project, it's who can get the job done and impress the boss the most. But no matter how old we get, there's something in us that wants to be chosen, and we definitely don't want to be chosen last. Do you feel that in yourself? Do you want to be chosen? Do you feel that? Being chosen or not being chosen is something even we wrestle with as adults. It's not just on the, on the school grounds. It's something we even wrestle with today. We maybe struggling with, will I be chosen for that specific college that I'm wanting to get into? Will I be chosen for someone for marriage? Will I be chosen for that job that I so desperately want? Will I be chosen for that promotion that I think I deserve? Will my spouse continue to choose me when things don't look the same as they used to look? And maybe one of our biggest ones we wrestle with is, will God choose me? Does God choose me? We put a lot of our worth in being chosen. We're going to look at a family today that had this very similar schoolyard type of choosing in the Bible. And so if you'll turn with me, it's not going to be on the screen. You're going to have to dig it up yourself. 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 3. 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 3. 
in verse 1 starts like this. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name you. See, in this time in history, Saul had made some um, poor choices. He had made some mistakes, and God was done with it. He's like, I'm taking this kingship from you. Saul is no longer going to be the king of my people. And he chose Samuel to go anoint the new king. How does Samuel react? He doesn't like this being chosen for this task of anointing the new king. And sometimes in our life, we don't like being chosen for the tasks that God has for us. I think of Jonah who was chosen to go to the city of Nineveh and tell them to repent. And he's like, nope, not doing it. I do not want to do that. And we all, if you know this story, he went into a belly of the fish for a few days to get his attitude right. And then he's like, okay, I'll go. But at first he did not want to go. Then we have Jesus right before he was going to the cross. And we see him in the garden and he is just crying out to God. God, if there is any way, if there is any way, choose that way. But we see by Jesus' example, he said, not my will, but yours be done, and was willing to be chosen to go to the cross. God may choose you to do something you didn't feel equipped to do. Has anybody felt that? That it's like, I can't do that. I am not ready for that. I am not learned enough. I don't know the Bible enough. I don't know that position at work. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that position on the team. I'm not equipped to do that. Sometimes we let fear come in and we don't want to go. We don't want to do what we're supposed to do. In plain and simple, there's just some things we just don't want to do. Have you been there? I don't want to do it. Whether I'm chosen or not, I don't want to do it. I think about some of the people that God has chosen. Again, we're talking about King David, but David was chosen to be king over his people, but all he had done was be a shepherd boy. That's where his qualifications were at this moment. And then if you read further in this story, he spends years being chased by Saul and almost killed many times. Saul wanted to kill him. So this is what God had chosen for him. Abraham was chosen to be the father of many nations. But yet he was given a wife that was barren and had to wait 25 years for the promise. Moses was chosen to deliver his people. And he even said, I don't want to go back there. The situation that he left and sent him running, he didn't want to go back to Egypt. And he even said, God, I can't speak. I can't speak. And God said, I'll take care of that for you. Ruth was sent to restore joy in a future 
Naomi was hopeless. She didn't feel like she had a future ahead of her. But yet Ruth was chosen by God to go with her and became her hope and her joy in the future. And we even have Ruth in the lineage of Jesus Christ today because she chose to follow what God was leading her. Esther was chosen to save her people. She was asked to go before a king without permission, which meant that she could die. But she's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Joshua was chosen to lead his people to the promise. In Joshua 1.9, it says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I am with you. That's what God said to him. Abraham and Isaac had a major situation that they had to go to. God had told Abraham, go and sacrifice. And Isaac and Abraham had to trust a God to provide the sacrifice. They were chosen. Daniel was chosen to spend the night with lions, and he had to trust his God no matter what happens. Either God was going to bring him out, or he was going to be lion food. And Paul was chosen to spread the gospel, yet he was shipwrecked, beaten, jailed, hungry, thirsty. He experienced it all, but God had chosen him. Hard situations that God puts us in can become great situations if we'll only obey. I'm going to say that again. Hard situations, hard situations that God asks us to be a part of, that he chooses for us, can become great situations. All of these people I just listed have great testimonies, have great stories if we continue to read of the greatness that 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 become out of their obedience. Has God chosen you to do something hard, something beyond yourself? Well, Samuel went. And in Samuel 16, 4 through 10, we see this. It says, so Samuel did what the Lord said, and he went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Could you imagine for a moment being in a lineup? Can I have my Jesse's boys come? Being in a lineup where the prophet is looking at you, and you don't know at this point really what it's about. You can only assume. But here we have Eliab, the firstborn. Tall, strapping young man. Look at this guy. And could you imagine the prophet? I would be shaken in my boots. I don't know about you. This was the prophet that was well-respected. Are you shaken? And he's looking, and he says, surely the Lord has chosen him. Surely. He's the firstborn, responsible, 
this, this is what's crazy. The Lord didn't say, no, I didn't choose him. He flat out said, absolutely not. He is absolutely not the guy. Now, culturally, he would have been the guy. Firstborn. He gets half of his daddy's inheritance. He's going to follow after his daddy's footsteps. He should have been the one. But he says in the scripture, he says, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. I don't know what was wrong with his heart, but God saw something in his heart. He wasn't the king. And we have you, Abinadab. These poor names. Second born. You know, the seconds and the thirds and the fourths, they kind of just get missed out on. You know, the first gets half, then they get da 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 The second born. He's like, well, surely, if it's not the first, it's got to be the second. This strapping young man. Can you jump? Oh, flex. Yeah. You can be king, can't you? Don't you want to be king? No. But God said, nope. I have not chosen him. As a prophet, I'm not the prophet, but as if I was thinking about being Samuel, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, here we go. Shama. Hi, Shama. Let's look in your ears. Surely this must be the guy. Handsome. He can see far. Surely. This kid just went at Mount St. Helens the other day. True. Good job. He must be it. He can conquer mountains. And he says, nope. I didn't choose him. I didn't even bring up the last four. It says there's seven. They don't even get named in the Bible. They're not even worthy of a name. But it says that Samuel went from one to the other to the other to the one, two, three, four, the nameless boys, and said, nope, these aren't the ones. Now, Samuel knew that he was sent to this house. He knew that out of Jesse's boys, the king was. So I would be a little perplexed at this moment that God says no on all of these strapping young men. And he asked Jesse, are there any others? Are there any others? You guys can go back. Give him a round of applause, Jesse's boys. I don't know how they felt about not being chosen, but have you ever not been chosen for something? You know how that feels? I'm going to tell a little story. When I was in eighth grade, the end of the year, um, it was cheerleader tryouts for ninth grade. And I was excited to go to high school. And me and my friends um, went to cheerleading um, tryouts spent two to three weeks every day learning the routine. I still remember it. I will not embarrass my daughter today by doing it. But I remember On Wisconsin was our fight song. Woo! And um, I remember it. Though the cheer we had to do was two bits, four bits, six bits, a dollar. That's how old I am. If, if cheerleaders do that today, they should not be a cheerleader. <laughs> But that was, we had to do the routine, and then we had to do two bits for it. And I remember that routine, sadly, still. But um, I got to the end of the two to three weeks, loved it. I loved what I was doing, enjoyed my friends that I was with. And it came to the end of the day after tryouts when they were going to announce 
who was making this squad. And there was only going to be three eighth graders. And at, at our school, we had a C squad. So you would be cheering for the C squad. And there was only three. They named my friend Bonnie, who I adore. They named Sam, who I didn't know very well. She was a transplant, a transplant to our school, and she's getting cheerleader. <laughs> and then, so you can only imagine I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I hear the name Sissy. I was devastated. Luckily, they did it so close to where the bell rang that I just shot out of that room and went straight to the rotary phone on the wall that the students could um, use and tried calling my mom, and my mom was not there. It's like, I am bawling, and I just want to get out of there. I was so devastated. And I, so I grab my backpack and start walking, and there's my mom. Fortunately, they had called her ahead of time, and she was waiting for me. But what even made it harder is she had celebration food for me. My favorite ribs were in the crock pot, but there was nothing to celebrate. Unfortunately, small-town politics had gotten involved. I was much better than one of those other girls. But politics had gotten involved, and I didn't get chosen. I cried for weeks. And even when we go to school the next fall, and I see that other person in the cheerleading outfit, it's like, you know, you you can just feel angry and hurt and all of all of that you feel when you're not chosen. It's tough not being chosen, especially when you really, really, really want it. And I wanted that. It can sink your self-esteem, your pride, your self-worth very quickly. I don't know if the seven sons were disappointed. Asher wasn't disappointed. (laughs) He's like, I don't want to be king. I don't know if they were hurt or... I don't know if they were just plain relieved. I don't want that king stuff. But knowing human nature, there was some disappointment in there. There was some disappointment. It's hard when there can only be three on the ninth grade cheer squad. They should have made an exception and made four, but they didn't. It's hard when there's only one spot left on the team. It's hard when there's only one job to be had. It's hard when there can only be one king and you're left standing there. Now, I had the boys sit down, but the story goes on. They're still standing there. Verse 11 says this, And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And I don't know if you just, I don't know if they could see him or it's like, there he is. He's out in the, out in the field. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. I think it's hilarious that they put this in here because God just said when he was dealing with Eliab that God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. But yet they say in the scripture here, they gave a very clear description that David was a good looking little feller. Again, God looks at the heart, but man is still looking at the outward appearance. But this is what God says. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. I can only imagine 
those seven brothers. It's like jaw drop. You got to be kidding me. This eighth son is the king. I can, I can only imagine the murmuring that was happening. And then in verse 17 or 13, it says, And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. See, when you're chosen, when it's the right time, when it's the right season, it's going to be perfect. And in this situation, the spirit came upon David, and he was going to need it to lead these people. He was going to need it his next few years of dealing with Saul and all that he had to do with with that situation. He was going to need that Holy Spirit. Sometimes we get too far ahead. If I was so upset that I stopped after not getting on that cheer squad, I would have missed basketball. I would have missed track. I would have missed all these opportunities that I had because I didn't make the cheer squad. Now, I don't need anointing to play those things, but we do that. We get so focused on the one thing that we want that we miss the thing that God wants for us. The thing that he's going to anoint you to do. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, we don't understand all the time what God is doing. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. His ways are so much bigger than our ways. But yet we get so consumed with the little things. God's choosing strategy is so very different than ours. If we were the ones choosing, we would choose us. Choose me. I'm the one. I'm the one that's most qualified. If it was us choosing, we would size up the competition. And when we do that, we don't look at the best qualities in other people. We look at their worst qualities. When you're looking at two people, other people that are trying for the same promotion as you, you're not looking at their best. You're not saying, wow, they would do an amazing job in here. They would do this. They would do this. Nope, you're like, oh, they can't even, they can't even dress right. Have you ever been sized up? I've, like, gone to Target in yoga pants, sweatshirt, hair pulled back, no makeup. And people are like, okay, just go to Walmart. I looked better than, <laughs> than that. But... People just kind of sight, and you can tell they kind of are like doing this type of thing to you. It's like, so what? I'm, in, I'm, I'm here. Who cares? But we do that. We size up the competition, but not looking at their best qualities. Most of the time, we're looking at their worst. We compare resumes. We look at birth order. We look at our last name. Our last name can tell a lot about who we are. We look at GPA. We look at all of these worldly things. But God chose David to be king and didn't care about his birth order. He didn't care about his age. And he didn't care that he was just keeping sheep. God knew his heart and saw potential. He saw something in David that no one saw, not even his, whole, his own family. What does God see in you today? What does God see in you today? Don't start thinking about all of the things that don't qualify you. But what does God see in you today? 
Those around you may not see it at this very moment, and you may not see it at this very moment, but God sees it. David was very young, just out tending sheep. But God saw something in him that was powerful. He saw his potential, and God sees it in you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God has a plan for each one of us. Do you believe that this morning? He has a plan for each one of us sitting here. Whether you're male, female, doesn't matter your age, God has a plan for you. God's plan for David was for him to be king. God's plan for his brothers were to start watching some sheep. We don't know the specifics about their lives. We heard some other stories about them, but we don't know a lot about what they did. But God had a plan for each one of them. All of our plans are different, and God chooses us for different reasons. I don't know why, but God chose Melissa Ward to be born where I was born. I was born in Goldendale, Washington, a very, very, very small town. He chose me to be born there. He knew what I needed today and had me born there. He chose me to be parented by Ellen and Carol Castle. He chose me to be Tony Ward's wife. He is a lucky dog. Lucky dog. He chose me to be Derek and Kristen and Joshua's mama. And what a privilege that has been. He chose me to be Derek and Kendra's mom-in-law, and they are blessed. (laughs) Thanks, Derek, for putting up with your mom-in-law. I love my in-law kids just as much as I love my own. I'm thankful for them. God chose me to be a Mimi, which I, it's my favorite job I've ever had, a Mimi to Oakley, Wooders, and Coco. God has chosen me to work where I work, with the people I work with, bless their hearts, <laughs> to live where I live. And God has chosen me to be at New Life, and I'm thankful for that. And God has chosen you right where you're at. So I want you to just think about, and as you leave here today, I want you to just kind of chew on this a little bit. What has God chosen you to be? What has God chosen you to be? We sometimes think the things we're involved in just our day-to-day lives are so minuscule, but they are so important. Where has God chosen you to be? Where has God chosen you to make a difference? Where has God chosen you to love? Where has God chosen you to influence? See, we struggle with wanting significance and success, but God is looking for faithfulness. Will you be faithful where God has placed you right now? See, God knows where you are right now. You see, David wasn't even invited to the party. He wasn't even invited to the sacrifice. He probably didn't even know it was happening. But yet God knew where he was. 
And he didn't have to be at the party to be chosen. David was out in the field watching over sheep. Being anointed king was probably the furthest thing from his mind. David wasn't looking to be chosen. He was just doing what he knew to do. He was being faithful where he was asked to be. Church, God sees you. God sees you right where you are. You may be thinking that he doesn't know where you are. You may be thinking that he has passed you up, that you wanted something so bad, and he just skipped right over you like he did those seven boys. I believe this with all my heart, and I've gone into every job that I've applied for. I believe this. If If God wants me to have that job, that job is mine. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who else the other applicants are. If God wants me there, he's going to put me there. Church, God wanted you here today. He wants you where you are today. The people that you influence, your children, your grandchildren, where you work, where you do ministry, all of those things God has chosen you to do. And he's just calling us to be faithful. If there is something that you are striving for right now, give it to God and let him take care of it. Just like with David, you don't have to be at the party to be chosen. God knows where you are. And he has chosen you today. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. This is a powerful scripture. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even implanted into your mama's belly, God knew you. He knew that you were going to be living today in 2019. He knew that. That's powerful if we can grasp that. He has sanctified you and he's ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. All that means is to be a prophet is to speak his word. Be that mouthpiece for God. Ephesians 1, 3 through 4 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I want to point out verse 4 to you. Just as he chose us in him, before the foundations of the world. Before Genesis 1-1 began, he knew you. Does that just rack your mind? He knew you. He knew your every thought. He knew you. Before he even began to create this world. Before the foundations of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. John 15 and 16 says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give you. See, church, he has chosen us to bear fruit. And that's such a kind of a churchy thinking word, but all that means is, you know what? If you're a student, be the best student you can be. 
If you have a spouse, be the best spouse you can be. Be the best parent you can be. Be the best grandparent you can be. Be the best nursery worker. Be the best worship leader. Clean those toilets for Jesus. Whatever you're doing, we can bear fruit in that. Be a positive influence to those around you. Be Jesus to a hurting world. He has chosen us. He has chosen us. 1 Peter 2, 9 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Church, I cannot express it enough. We are chosen. We are chosen. We are a chosen people. We are chosen this morning to do great things for God. We are chosen this morning to be the best we can in our family and in our workplace. Everywhere we go, if you're going to Walmart after, if you're going to out to lunch after, be the best you can be there because you're chosen. You're chosen by God Almighty before the foundations of the earth, before he knew, before you were even known by your parents. He knew you. No matter how you feel this morning, you are chosen. He has chosen you. Can you just say with me, I am chosen. I am chosen. Now I want you to say it like you mean it. I am chosen. Do you really mean it? You are chosen. And when we walk in that chosenness, great things are going to come. When we walk out this life like we're chosen, not superior, not elitist, but chosen by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we look different. We act different. We can change the world around us by being God's chosen people. So I'm asking you this morning to live like you're chosen. Live like you're chosen. I pray that you will leave this place this morning knowing that a God in heaven loves you so much that he chose you. And you may not be where you want to be right now, but let God make that path for you. Trust God to make that path for you. Know that you're chosen this morning. Will you stand with me? I love all of you, especially love all these mamas in the room today. But it has been my heart and my prayer as I've prepared for this, that we would truly know that we are chosen. Ladies, not just on Mother's Day, we're chosen. God has special things that only us ladies can do, whether you're a mom or not. God has things only we as women can do. He has chosen us to do them. Men, even though it's Mother's Day, I'm speaking to you. You are chosen this morning. You're chosen. You're chosen to be the man of God God wants you to be. You're chosen to be a light in your workplace. You're chosen this morning. We just have to live it. 
full out live like we're chosen people. Will you pray with me this morning? Father God, I just pray for each one of us here this morning. I pray that we would know deep in our knower, deep in our heart, Lord, that we are chosen. It doesn't matter what we've experienced already in our life. It doesn't matter the mistakes we've made. It doesn't matter that the bad choices we have made. You have chosen us. You have chosen us. You love us. And God, I just pray that there would be healing where there needs to be healing. God, I pray that there just be a surrender of our will and our way to you, God. And God, I just pray, choose me, Lord. Choose me to do whatever you'd call me to do. Choose me, Lord, to to go wherever you want me to go. God, use us for your glory and your honor. God, I pray for people that are in that choosing process right now. God, I pray that they would just relax and have peace in knowing that you know their future. You know their heart. You know what they have need of. And you have chosen them for greatness. God, we just thank you and give you all the praise today. God, I pray that we would just go out of this place as chosen people, ready to make a difference in a hurting world, ready to make a difference in our families, ready to make a difference in our workplaces. God, I thank you that you have chosen us. I thank you, Lord, that we are here today in all of the places you you have placed us, that you have chosen us to be. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give him a round of applause for choosing you this morning? You are chosen. You are a chosen generation. And I'm so glad that you are here this morning. I just want to say as we leave this morning, ladies, we love you. We have a little gift out in the foyer for you. And I just pray that you would live this week as a chosen person. Amen. Amen. Give him a round of applause.